this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. We're back after the holidays and ready to end the new year on a bang. Eli Salama and the Roughnecks welcome Superman back to the Rough House. Brandon Robinson and the Bandits welcome Halifax to Banditland, plus a new twist on our Box Bets parlay. All that and more on OTCB. Happy holidays, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your ear enjoyment. He's Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter at PGreggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or find us on the instas at OTCB podcast. Mr. Gregoire, happy holidays. How are you? Happy holidays, Teddy. Hope you enjoyed your time with the family. Yeah. I know I certainly did. It was good to recharge the batteries. Um, but I'm ready. I'm ready for some lacrosse. Yeah. Um, it was the break was good. Don't get me wrong, but feed us some lacrosse action. It's been too long. Uh, we don't have any thumbs up, thumbs down this week because there are no games. But sidebar, thumbs down. Three games this week after Christmas. Come on. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my thumbs down if we did. But, you know, again, not much to report on. But I will say uh, three really, really good games to sink our teeth into. We got two on Friday, uh, one on Saturday. I would like to see another game on Saturday, but hey, it's it's fine. We have three games, three good ones at that. Uh, did you catch any of the plays of the year reels that were on the major networks? I actually did not, and I was curious to know if the NLL made any uh, any of the top ten reels from from um, last season. We didn't make the year? top fifty. Okay, uh, we had a couple in the, like the eighty sevens and eighty four. One was the Dahoga goal against Rochester, where he's on the ground. Okay, and he puts it short side. I'm trying to rack my brain. Oh, the other one was the Cupido goal in the playoff game against yes. uh, San Diego. That and one then, I was sure. I thought for sure that one would have broke the the top twenty five. But again, hey, at least at least we got some plays on on the top one hundred. I couldn't I believe the, the West Berg diving around the world didn't make it. Yeah, that's um, crazy. the Jeff Teat one handed backhand from sixes made it. Okay. Um, but more importantly, we didn't make a single misplay. Oh, very nice. So nobody's making any bonehead plays in the NLL, which is fantastic to see. That's always a good thing. When you're, when you're not on the misplays, that means you're doing something right. And we know the NLL is doing all the right things right now. Um, all right. So let's kind of catch everybody up on some things that have happened. Um, David Brock to the IR, Chris Cloutier to the IR, Casey Jackson to the IR. So some bumps and bruises along the way. Which do you think is the biggest loss? Those three guys. Oof. I, this this one's tough because they all are, are pretty significant players, you know, to their respective teams. I think, I think it's Cloutier just with the fact that you know, the lefty side is is looking a lot different in Bandit Land this year. Um, with no fields, you bring in Robinson, who kind of plays that crash and bang style, which, you know, spoiler alert, one of our guests for this week. And we'll chat with him a little bit later on in the show. Um, so I, I would say it's probably Cloutier. 
Um, but again, that, that bandits offense does have a lot of great pieces. Uh, and I do think we'll probably see a little bit of Ian McKay play a little bit of offense, but Chris Kluge is just such an underrated piece in that offense. He doesn't put nearly as many points as burn or Smith. Um, but he's a guy that does all the little things while also still scoring some big goals for the team. Uh, submission by a, uh, attract addition, addition by submission or whatever that saying is. Um, <laughs> no Casey Jackson for San Diego, but they will most likely have Audie Stotts back in the lineup. And for a game that is going to be maybe one of the most emotional games of this week of the weekend, why wouldn't you have the guy that plays with pretty much the most emotion of anybody back in your lineup yeah the these type of games are what Audie Stotts gets up for right like he's a big time player he's been a big time player since I can remember uh watching him whether it's you know him being a, a midget call-up uh in with the arrows him being a junior call-up up uh to the Six Nations Chiefs in the Man Cup or the Ontario Championships. Mm-hmm. And then when he's gone to the NLL, same thing. Just the big moments are never too big for him. And we know he does like to play that line. Sometimes his emotions do get the better of him. Um, uh, but nine times out of ten, even if they do get better than him, he's still making a, a bigger con- contribution on the floor, scoring those big goals. So uh it's a massive, massive game uh from a storyline with Superman returning to his home and two mm-hmm. undefeated teams going head to head in the West. Uh, but I think this is a game, of course, it's, it's far too early in the season to be throwing out must wins, especially when you're undefeated. But at the end, when all said and, and done these wins at the start of the year, especially when you, you pile up those interconference battles, uh, it could make or break between a team getting home for or not, or, and I think with the case of these two teams, I don't think they'll be worried about looking on the outside um, as not being a playoff team. But I think these are going to be teams that are going to be battling for home floor, whether it's a first or a second seed in the West. Uh, we mentioned Casey Jackson out of the lineup. He was off to a very hot start to his season with the San Diego Seals. Uh, was coming in with four goals, four assists. And this is a team that, you know, their first two games averaging 14 goals per game. Does Audi make them better or does he kind of disrupt that? Do you think? Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Uh, we, we talked to Nick Ocello on coast to coast this week. And he said, one of the things the coaching staff, Patrick Merrill and, and, and shooter were saying was the offense has looked brilliant at times. They just haven't been able to put like a full 60 together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like in that last game we saw against Saskatchewan, they scored what three goals in the first half. Like that is brutal for any offense, Never mind what should be the best offense league. But then you see them in the fourth quarter and they were scoring almost every single possession. Um, What I think with, you know, bringing in a guy, a new guy. Yes. That's going to disrupt that momentum that they had in the in the uh, fourth quarter when they really started to get things together uh, but this is a player that's played in in this system before this is a player like you said that comes up to those big moments so I don't think it's a hindrance I could understand why maybe some people think you know throwing another new body might you know mess things up but you're talking about an elite talent in, yeah. in Austin Stotts I think they're pleased very pleased to have him 100%. And and like we said, just for the the energy that is going to be in the Saddle Dome this weekend, Curtis Dixon returns for the first time. Uh, we all remember what Dane Doby 
did upon his first first game back in Calgary, hanging seven on the Roughnecks as the Seals stole that game. But he was a bloody, beat-up mess <laughs> that looked like he'd been through a 10-round fight after that game. Do you think they treat Curtis Dixon the same way? Or, or do you think Doby kind of brought that upon himself just because of the way he plays? Yeah, I think it is a little bit of both. For sure, he had the target on his back. For sure, he's a guy that you want to key in on and want to play a little bit of rough. But like you said, he's a guy that craves contact. Like he is dropping his shoulder. He's crashing to the net. He takes those extra licks. That's just the type of player that he is. And, you know, you you kind of look at, you kind of look at, at, at Dixon and yeah, sure, he's a guy that likes to take to the net. But he's the type of guy that if you overplay him and play too aggressive, he's going to make you look silly. Like yeah. You have to play your angles correctly. You cannot overcommit where you're going to find yourself on a highlight reel. Like that, he's just so, so slippery, is so, so strong, tough to knock off the ball. So, and also, if you key on him and play super over, overly aggressive, look at all the other weapons there on the floor. So, I think it's going to have to be a collective defensive. A performance from this this defense in Calgary uh, but let's not get it twisted as well we're going to need to see another outstanding performance from Christian Delbianco uh, maybe he's not going to be able to to replicate what we saw last time he touched the floor because that was maybe if not his best game we've seen mm-hmm. as a pro uh, but he is going to need to stand strong here no doubt about it uh, maybe Frank Chiliano's best game as a pro was the last time these two teams met, made 50 saves on 54 shots, had like a 96.2 save percentage, uh, and what was a 9-4 win. San Diego also won all three games last year against Calgary. Do you think that plays into this weekend? or the teams that vastly different uh, that it doesn't matter? Uh, I think I think both teams just are completely different. Yeah, sure. There's still some 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 familiar faces on both sides, but I think you kind of take things that you learned from the teams last year and certain tendencies. Of course, with the goalies, no doubt. I think maybe there's an edge there. Um, but again, there's there's just so much turnover. Like you look at Calgary's offense, it looks completely different. Yeah, San Diego's offense pretty close. But you add a couple of new characters here and there. So I, I think the two teams are are new enough where, you know, I don't think Calgary is is sitting there being like, oh, boy, these guys had our number. It's like, well, oh, boy, these guys have a lot of guys that have played on our team. We know their tendencies. They probably feel like maybe they have the edge. And Tyler Pace kind of said that in his postgame interview after their big win against the Warriors uh, with the san diego roughnecks which uh, i mean <laughs> give me more tyler pace post game yeah. interviews please uh but yeah i i don't think they're looking into too much of that i i think both teams have a great amount of respect for each other uh i think they know that both teams are going to be battling in the standings you know week in week out here so i i'm i'm really really excited for this game uh curtis dixon dane doby westberg uh the three leading scorers for the San Diego Seals. Last time they all played together, they all led their team in scoring in one, two, three, when they were members of the Roughnecks back in 17, 18 season. So uh, a lot of Calgary flavor. So I kind of get the San Diego Roughnecks moniker because they do have, I think it's three or four, four guys that I've counted that were original 
Calgary draft picks, and they're all now members of the SEALs. Eli Salama has played with all of them. He will now have to go up against all of them. Let's see how he feels as he and I go one-on-one right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The holidays are indeed over. Uh, we didn't get a Boxing Day game, and I know a lot of people were wondering about that. Uh, Eli Salama joins us now. Would you love to play an NL game on Boxing Day? Sure, yeah. You know, I think the obviously the travel aspect kind of throws a, a wrench into that, but, um, you know, the idea for sure, I think it would have to be, I think I saw somebody on Twitter mention a, a Calgary-Vancouver type of matchup or a, a Toronto-Buffalo type type thing, but uh, the idea for sure is uh, is interesting. How were your holidays, my man? They were good, yeah. Uh, I'm out east. I'm in Hamilton right now visiting uh, my fiance's family, which has been awesome. And, uh, yeah, just trying to relax but uh, stay ready for, for the game on the 30th there. Uh, how was the storm out there for you guys? Are you going to be able to get out in time? Yeah, we our flight found the perfect window, like, for, for some reason, because we went from one storm to another. Um, but uh, we only had a half-hour delay, and that was because of staffing, not because of weather-related. So. Right. Um, somehow, some way, we we got out more or less unscathed, which was nice. Uh, obviously, a massive game this weekend for you guys coming up against San Diego. Um, you yourself are playing some great lacrosse right now, and I know you and I have kind of talked about this a bit. But what does the benefit of playing ten months a year do for you as a lacrosse player, just to keep you that sharp every time you're out there? Yeah, well, first off, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, but uh, the the ten months out of the year is is definitely a blessing and a curse uh, yeah. as far as you know how how the body feels. But uh, for your mental reps, I think it's uh, it's unrivaled, right? Like having to I know it's two different obviously games, but um, lacrosse is lacrosse at the end of the day. Whether you're playing field or box, uh, those extra reps and in playing against such high level competition all throughout the year is is definitely something that has helped my game grow for sure. And is it hard to switch the the defensive mentality from field to indoor? I think the biggest thing for me is the switch of sticks. Um, Mm -hmm. I think if I was an an L-mid or a D-mid even, um, that would be a little bit easier. But going from a pole to a short stick is is sometimes a little bit annoying and difficult. Um, Just takes a little bit to get used to one or the other when you've been using one for a few months, but, um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, the, the gaps and the spacing and, and everything else, it comes pretty quick cause it's not too much different. Um, but I think it's more, more the stick for me anyway. As you've grown throughout your career, especially with the roughnecks and in the NLL, what's been the biggest change do you think in, in, in your preparation and, and how you go about making sure your game is, is at the tip top shape? I think seeing someone like Mouse and how he approaches the game changes the way that you think about it. Um, he's the most prepared person, player, coach, otherwise, that I've ever seen for any given day. Um, his his preparation and his understanding of lacrosse is next level, and sometimes it's hard to keep up with, but um, I, I think that only pushes you to, to be better. So um, seeing that and, and, you know, and some of the older guys that have followed you know, his preparation and his understanding of the game has been, has been huge for me and has definitely shaped uh, the way that I prepare for games. There's a different feel to this club, I, I think, this year. Obviously, you know, over the past few years, you guys have lost Berg, you've lost Doby, now last offseason it was Curtis Dixon. But being around you guys for the first couple of weeks of the year, I've noticed that it doesn't seem to have phased you guys at all. 
you're just a, a different group playing some great lacrosse and it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of, it's a it's a cliche and a lot of teams use it, but it's that next man up mentality. Um, I think someone like Tyler Pace was like, OK, that sucks that we lost Dixon, um, but he was you know ready to step up and, and make plays. Right. So um, and, and he's obviously ready for a full season, which is awesome for us. And um, obviously, Jesse King has stepped up immensely. Guys like Dan Taylor, who don't really get talked about. And we've got a ton of young guys that are making steps forward as well, both offensive and defensive, um, respectively. So, you know, I, I think that we're unfortunately getting a little bit used to losing a big name in the offseason or, or not having one around, um, at least in my tenure with the Roughnecks. Um, but, uh, you know, I think it's just, it is what it is. Sometimes it's a business. And, as much as you want it to, to be family and, and everything else, there are some things get in the way, and that's okay. We hold no hard feelings towards those guys that have left, but um, you know they're they're still our, our friends, but there are foes when it when it comes down to it. So um, that next minute mentality has just been big for us. And what's next? You know, if something's going to get thrown at you. You just got to deal with it and, and move forward and find a way to to get to the ultimate goal. Uh, did you think Shane Simpson had that move in his back pocket? I think Shane surprises people with what he's got. He's he doesn't show everything that he's got, you know. Um, I think he's still got a couple more of those moves sticking around somewhere. So I'd keep an eye on Shane. He's uh, he's the fastest guy in the NLL, if you ask me. And uh, you know, with somebody like Christian throwing the ball to him out of the back end, there it's uh, it's dangerous. And he, I'm sure he'll have one or two of those more. Uh, let's stay on that that line of Christian Del Bianco. How much confidence does he give your defensive unit when he's playing like he did against Calgary in Week Three? He's been uh, amazing. I've been lucky enough to have him in my junior career as well, so I've I've been blessed uh, blessed to play in front of him for for quite a while now. But that's that's Christian. When when you need him, he's there and he's he's always on. So. Um, he, it's it's kind of just regular for us like we're used to christian being that guy um and it's it's definitely something that you know i think we take for granted sometimes but when you look back on performances like he had before christmas there it's uh like wow okay yeah he's uh he's pretty good at this whole lacrosse thing um is that career human no I, I, really like i just some of the things that he does is is wild um it and the amount of loose balls that he comes up with, like, it, it's crazy. So playing with Zach in the winter and then not playing with Zach and seeing there's a lot of loose balls around. Like, you just kind of forget how many there are in a game just because he grabs so many. But, uh, and, you know, he does so much more than just loose balls. But, yeah, no, he's he's an incredible player as well. Uh, this is going to be a, a good test for your young defense. Obviously, the San Diego team, uh, as, as Pacer called them, the San Diego Roughnecks, um, have a lot of talent. Um, what problems do they pose for you guys? Their one-on-one matchups are, are tough. Um, obviously, you've got great one-on-one guys like Dobie, Dixon, Stats. Everyone's capable. Um, there's there's no slouch on their offense, and, and everyone deserves the respect of you know the big-time matchup. So um, it, it's going to be a by-committee thing. That's that's how we approach every matchup. Um, but uh, yeah, no, they're they're dangerous all over the floor, and there's no one that you can kind of not have to worry about. Um, which uh, that makes it tough, man. They're everybody looks at them, and, and on paper they've got everything that they need. And so far they've had a, a couple really good games with uh, you know to start their year. But um, you know, every, anybody can lose on any given night, and that's the mentality you have to take and just approach it one play at a time. 
how has the addition of Jeff Cornwall to your defense kind of changed how you guys play? He's amazing. Like watching him in practice, he just stings corners like, <laughs> and it just has so much fun doing it. He's a really fun presence to have on the floor and off. And uh, he's someone that definitely didn't get talked about enough in, in Sask just because of who he was playing with. They've got some elite defenders over there and have for a long time. And he's been a part of that core, but to have him on our side now is a, a huge addition to our left side on the D there. And um, no, he, he just has fun playing lacrosse and it's, it's contagious to be around. I know a lot of people don't see it because you're usually not in the arenas at that time, but you guys do a very unique stretching routine with your four lines and the handshakes. Who is the orchestrator of all of that and who decides what handshake each line does? I, I don't know who started because when I came into Calgary, it was already a, a thing. So I, I, I'm not sure where the origins of that tradition are. Um, but uh, it's usually just the older guys that have their, their handshakes set. Mitch Wild loves a good handshake. He's quite creative with them as well. And he he's the front of one line. So he kind of sets the pace for them. Um, just based on departures and kind of getting older, I, I'm at the front of one of uh, one of the lines as well with Reese Callies. So um and dan taylor he has one as well so it's ours our line anyway is a little bit by committee everybody has their own little thing for for each stretch but um mitch definitely runs uh one and uh is quite creative with it but again unfortunately i don't know where the origins are but it is a, a fun little way for us to get ready for the game do you have a favorite handshake uh, our go-to is kind of a, a high five and then you swing it and get it on the back side as well oh, the top gun yeah yeah top yeah gun. so that that's a good one um, we usually finish with a dunk, so I'll, I'll be the hoop and everybody kind of comes in and, and does a fun little trick dunk there. But, uh, those, you know, you got a classic and then a, a little bit of flair at the end. So those are probably the top two for me. Obviously this is a, a really fun team to be around, but when you have a young guy that's kind of been with the organization his fat past few years, but it hasn't been healthy and now is healthy and playing some of the best lacrosse of his life and he gets rewarded as a captain. How special is, is it to be a guy, around a guy like Jesse King? Yeah, you know, the obviously the injuries were tough for him in his first couple of years, and I, I think he, that changed the way that he approached how he got ready for, for games and for seasons. And, uh, you know, seeing him have full years healthy and playing at the level that, you know, we all are aware that he's capable of is awesome. Uh, he's a leader on and off the floor, an, an exceptional guy and an exceptional player. So to, to have him leading us with the C on his chest, I, there's no one more deserving than Jesse. Uh, last one for you. Is there anyone cooler than Bob McMahon? <laughs> he's something else, hey? He's awesome. He's like, so good. The, the nickname Slip, and, and it makes sense. He just, he finds his way and uh, he's, he's an awesome guy. I, I never really understood the nickname Slip until uh, one time I saw him in airport security. He was a couple people ahead of me. I, we had lounge access at the time, so I figured, okay, I'll just see him in the lounge. Didn't see him there. I went to the gate early, just had some work to get done. So I went there, sat down for a bit, watched everybody get on the plane, didn't see him. I was like, that's weird. It was one of the last people on. I hop on the plane, he's in his seat. I have no idea how he got there, but he's, he's a man of mystery and uh, an awesome guy to boot. So he's, he's fun to have around. Uh, it's always great to talk to you pregame. Always got some good stories. Uh, but this was great catching up, my man. Uh, I know you had a happy holidays with the family. Safe travels to Calgary this weekend. Big game with the Seals. Um, the return of Superman will be a headline. Does that play into your guys' mindset as it leads up to it? 
Uh, yes and no. Um, I think after Dope's hanging seven on us and his return, you, you have to think about it a little bit. Um, so fingers crossed that doesn't happen again. But uh, obviously, Curtis is a, an exceptional player and, uh, you know, a supreme talent one-on-one and in the, in the pick game. Like, he sets unbelievable picks. That's something that people don't really talk about in his game. So, um, you know, he's obviously going to be somebody that we have to keep an eye on and, um, you know, I'm sure he's going to come in and try and hang seven, just like Dobes did, if if not more. But uh, you know that's that's part of the game, and I'm sure he'll be fired up. But we'll be just as fired up to to take him on and see what we can do. Appreciate those one always, my man. Safe travels. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks, Teddy. Appreciate your time. All right, there's Eli Salama. I, I love chatting with that young man. He's just a, a really nice fella. He he's so well spoken. Um, and just understands everything that is going on. But I, I, when he and I talked about playing 10 months of the year, it is such a benefit. Yes, your body takes a lot more punishment, but you don't really have a lot of time off, Patty, to, to rest up and kind of let the body cool down. You're just constantly going. And I think that's really why people want to get the NLL to full-time players, whether it's a combination of NLL, PLL kind of going back and forth. But if we can get these guys playing consistently all year long, the level of competition just continually will ramp up. It's the competition, but it's also the fact that these guys are also able to focus and really dial it in on the game, on taking care of their body. Like you said, like they can, instead of having to go into work on Monday, they can, go in and get treatment they can go and lift they can go in and, and and do plyo and, and stretch and chiro like whatever it is that's like if you look at all the other professional you know the big four like uh, austin matthews isn't walking into a, an insurance job on monday right like <laughs> that that's not the case so He's i not think building the insurance plan for the next <laughs> yeah exactly like so it is it is that is a big big thing and you could see just the development of of salama's game always have been a you know a really big fan of his game i got an opportunity to watch him up close and personal a couple of summers i guess it'd be a few summers ago now when he played with the oakville rock but he's taken his game to another level and i think a big reason is the fact that you know eight months of the year he's able just to dedicate it to the game of lacrosse yeah part of it's the outdoor it's indoor it's still lacrosse it's still being a pro it's still you know focusing all your efforts into the game so that that that's huge and i think the more and more we see that just the better the product is going to be the other game on friday night is halifax and buffalo and if you think san diego calgary is going to have a lot of emotion in it uh wait till halifax and buffalo uh earlier that night this is going to be an absolute dandy again two teams that have visions of being eastern and league champions uh i know you're excited for this one um what do you what do you feel like how are you feeling about this game because like, this is a bit of a tipping point game again early on in the season but a massive game for both of these clubs man it, it's so tough like and i think i flip flip flop back and forth all the time because i just you know there's so many different ways that this game really could unfold like i wouldn't be surprised if both these defenses and goaltenders kind of really dial it back and 
really lock things down and we see a low scoring affair, but the way that we've seen Halifax's offense, like averaging 18 goals through the first two games, like it wouldn't shock me if, yeah, it would shock me if they put up another 18 again. Yeah, absolutely. But wouldn't surprise me if, if the offense continues at an unbelievable clip and continue to fill the net. It's just this, these two teams, whenever they play, um, it, it's fireworks. And I know Halifax isn't the old Rochester anymore. So that, that rivalry isn't really the, the old rivalry, but there's a lot of the players that are still on that team. So it's not the, the, the local rivalry anymore. It's not the I 90 rivalry, but both these teams don't get it. Don't get it twisted at all. Do not like each other. And the bandits had, Halifax number last year, I think 16, 11 in both games, back to back weeks. Um, so I know Halifax has a really, really sour taste in their mouths. They want to go into bandit land and, and come out with a big win and, and keep that perfect record alive. Young Brandon Robinson isn't the young Brandon Robinson anymore. He's the older of the Robinsons and he's got a couple younger brothers on the team. He's the older brother kind of, walking around but he's now a full-time NLLer and you've been around him quite a bit Patty how have you liked his maturation into the National Lacrosse League it's really been cool to see up close and personal obviously spending a lot of time with him you know in Halifax for the cup first two years uh there but also you know he was an AP for us uh, out of midget when, when he was playing midget and I'm coaching West Durham. So I saw him there. Uh, I, I coached Dylan last year's brother, Justin, same thing. He was a call up for us. So I know the family really well, but to see him just even over the last year, um, he's really dedicated himself to lacrosse. He has realized that he is the type of player that we're seeing more of now. Um, I know, you know, when he was first playing with Rochester, they're kind of using him in multiple situations and he was kind of happy with that, which is great. But I think he's really found a home here in Buffalo because yeah, there have a ton of guys that can, you know, whip it around, can, can really score from the outside can, you know, has, has that vision from the outside to be the playmaker. Well, he's that guy that he doesn't need to have the ball in, in his stick, like where he is most valuable is crashing and banging, picking up loose balls, freeing up space for the Josh Burns. But he's a really good talent. And when the ball is in his stick and he does have those opportunities on the doorstep, he's probably going to score. But he is that prototypical power forward that we're seeing more and more come back in this league. And I absolutely love it because we kind of got away from that. It was really because of how fast the game was growing, uh, was going it was a lot of speed guys or guys that could facilitate. We kind of got away from those big crash and bangers, uh, you know, guys who could still score. It's back now with Tanner Cook, Brandon Robinson. So I'm fired up about it. And I know you're a big fan of the power forward too. I am a massive fan. I always wanted to be one, but uh, I only got thick <laughs> in my later days. Um, Brandon Robinson is now a member of the Buffalo Bandits and he's excited to be in Bandit land. And maybe he'll get his first ever goal for the Bandits in Bandit land. But let's see how the young man has traversed both playing college hockey, junior hockey, and now into the National Lacrosse League. We go on to Brandon Robinson right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. 
Buffalo Bandits are at home, and hopefully the snow allows the game to happen this weekend, and hopefully everyone is safe up in upstate New York. Uh, joining us now, Brandon Robinson of the Bandits. B-Rob, how are you, man? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, we are great. Um, what's the tougher grind? Ontario junior hockey, Ontario college hockey, or NLL life? <laughs> uh I don't know. I'd have to say NLL life in uh, junior hockey and then uh, university hockey. It's a little bit, uh, you're still a little bit of a kid. You don't have as many responsibilities now, kind of working full time, still getting to the gym, um, you know, a lot more responsibility plus going to practices and games. So uh, I'm going to give it to the NLL grind for sure. Are you uh, deep into team Canada life, watching the world juniors? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't, Watched it a ton the last few years, um, but kind of getting back in. I catch games here and there, usually the gold medal game for sure. Yeah. Um, try to watch Canada as much as possible, but um, Bedard looks pretty good so far. It'd be nice for them to get a win, but uh, yeah, we'll see how many we'll see how many Michigans they they try to pull. Oh my tonight. god, I know. I know that's <laughs> two in the first period of the first game. Tough luck when you're losing too, but. I was yeah. just looking at the quits. I was going to maybe lay a little splash on the Germany game. And the, the Michigan, Team Canada, successfully scored a Michigan goal versus Germany, plus 2,500. So <laughs> might want to uh, get that but, one locked in. Yeah, you might have to hammer it with the amount they're trying. One's right. bound to go in at some point. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, speaking of, um, you know, you playing hockey, playing the OHL, playing college hockey. I mean, just a couple of years ago, you were bouncing playing university hockey and the NLL. How important do you believe for younger athletes is it to be a multi-sport athlete? Or, or do you believe that it's better for one to hone their crafts just playing the one sport? Yeah, I mean, I played both the whole way through, so... I'm a little bit biased in that sense because, you know, every year I told myself, okay, I'm going to focus on hockey. I'm going to focus on hockey. And then summer came around and I got a call from Doug Arthur. And he's like, hey, we need you for a game. And I'm like, yeah, sure, one game. And the next thing you know, I'm playing the whole season. So um, I, I loved it. I think it's great. Uh, I think it kind of keeps you in that competitive mindset kind of throughout the year. Um, but it's kind of a change of pace, especially hockey to lacrosse. You know, the physicality is – the same but for me i've kind of looked at lacrosse always it's kind of like a mix between basketball and hockey you know, the basketball in terms of five on five pick and roll um kind of the setup up and down the floor where and then just throw the physicality of hockey into it um so i always loved it for that reason it kind of just changed my brain a little bit it wasn't so much just hockey 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 it kind of gave me a nice little break and then i was always excited to go back to hockey i think because i took that three, four month break where I was just in the gym. I wasn't on the ice so much. Um, so for me personally, that's my stance on it. Now, you know, I could make the argument if I focused a little more on hockey than I did lacrosse, maybe I'd still be playing hockey, but um, I mean, everything works out the way it's supposed to. I think at the end of the day, especially for younger kids, you don't really need to get sport specific until later down the line. Um, but especially for kids, I think, yeah, multi-sports for sure. Just kind of get out there, have some fun, get a sweat on and kind of learn some new skills and, um, different games. So what was the longest bus trip in your junior days? Uh, Sue, the Sue was, <laughs> yeah. the Sue was the longest thing for everybody. Um, 
I mean, I can imagine playing for Erie, going from Erie, Pennsylvania up to the Sioux when they played each other in the playoffs. I think they were flying at that point, but um, the Sioux was never a fun trip, especially after a loss and there was no TV, no nothing on the bus. So <laughs> that always stung. Uh, you're three in, three years into your career pretty much in the National Lacrosse League. Do you feel more comfortable now? Yeah, much more comfortable. I think uh, did the practice roster thing kind of up and down my first few years you know, kind of like every, you know, rookie kind of just get thrown in. I remember my first year, um, Hazer came up to me. It was, uh, we made all the trades. We traded Vitarelli to Colorado. Um, I think we traded, who else? Paulie Dawson, Scott Campbell. We traded all those guys. And I remember Hazer come up to me and saying, you can stay on offense, but you're going to be in and out of the lineup where you can go back and play defense and you can play every night. And I was like, that sounds like an easy decision to me. So, um, but yeah, I definitely feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more, just kind of understanding the routine, understanding the um, kind of nuances, right? It is a little bit different than most professional sports, obviously, with working full-time. So, you know, I'm working on a Wednesday till 4 o'clock and then jumping in the car to drive to Oakville for practice at, you know, 7.30. Um, it takes a bit more planning, obviously. So the first couple of years, especially when I was doing the hockey and school, um, time management was a big thing. But, um, yeah, I've been feeling a lot more conf- confident and comfortable just – in the day-to-day and then just trying to build my game a little bit just to kind of bring something else to the table a little bit more than I am and uh yeah just kind of keep building from there you talk about bringing something of, sorry go ahead Teddy I think you're gonna I ask say, I think kind of, I was going, yeah. yeah I think we're seeing more and more big bodies having success out the front door obviously people think big mean tough guys can only be defenders but you know we look at Tanner Cook you look at Kyle Waters you look at a guy like yourself yeah. Is that a role that you kind of like to play? That that sort of rejuvenated power forward role? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's how I play hockey too. Kind of, and I think as you get older, like everybody, you know, especially in, you know, like in professional sports, it's the cream of the crop from every age group. From what do we have? Forty-two year olds in the league down to twenty-year-olds, right? So it's the best of the best from all age groups from all over Canada and the U.S. And I think you know, as you get older, it's kind of you have to find ways to be relevant or find ways to um, contribute. And I think being 6'4", 225, what's a better way to try to contribute than <laughs> be big and go out and try and bully people around a little bit? But, um, no, yeah, I enjoy playing the game, especially the two teams I've been on in Rochester, Halifax, and now in Buffalo, um, just surrounded by so much skill and guys that are going to be, you know, go down as Hall of Famers and legends of the game with, you know, Cody Jameson, Dane Smith, Stephen Keel, Ryan, but like the list could go on. And um, I think my game adapts well with those guys just because, you know, those are guys that want the ball on their stick and, you know, want to be game changers and make plays. And for me personally, I don't want the ball on my stick. I'd rather be kind of that off ball guy who can, you know, create space for those guys, but can also bury my chances when I do get them in the middle of the floor. So... How cool was it uh, in game one of the season? Um, your brother gets inserted in the lineup kind of last minute. Um, and not just your your brother, your youngest brother, um, Justin, out of obviously out of the lineup uh, dealing with an injury, but uh, thrust into a role. And then now your parents don't have to worry about which team they're going to cheer for because all three of you guys are playing for the Bandits now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was really happy for him. I think he. Uh... I could, I could sense the nerves. You can kind of see the nerves on him. As soon as he was drafted, it was just kind of question after question about kind of what to expect, which, you know, I think is a great thing. And for him is, you know, he's got two brothers that have kind of 
been in the league for a couple of years and kind of understand how it works a little bit. Obviously, don't understand everything, and it's, it's going to be a work in progress every year. You learn new things, but um, I think for him to have us to lean on just kind of helped him come into camp with a lot of confidence, and um, he didn't really have to worry about a lot of things. You know, maybe a first year coming into a brand-new team where you don't really know guys. Um, having Justin, who was there last year, and then myself, who you know has been in the league for a little while, um, I think has helped him tremendously. And yeah, happy for my parents too. They don't have to pick sides, and they can just drive <laughs> to one rink and watch us all play at the same time, rather than driving three separate places like they have our entire lives. So, do we know when uh, when Justin's going to be back? Is he going to be back this year at all? Is there a chance we see three Robbies in the lineup for for the Black and Orange? Yeah, he's, uh, I think he's shooting for March, April. Uh, they don't want to rush it. It's his, you know, uh, he did his ACL, um, had it redone, I think in May, um, towards the end of May, right around the, when the finals started, I believe he had mm-hmm. it done. So they're shooting for that March, April, kind of, you know, hopefully get five, six games in and then kind of gear up for a big playoff push. Um, so yeah, hopefully he'll be back. Hopefully we'll see uh, three of us on the floor together at some point this year, but um just having all three you know just being able on the weekends to travel to games and practices and be in the locker room together you know me and Justin got to play growing up a little bit we're two years apart so he was a call up for our team in West Durham growing up and then we played together in junior in Brampton um so we've 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 played together a little bit it's cool with Dylan just because for me and him it's a seven-year age gap five years for Justin and Dylan so to be able to kind of play with him and have all three of us around like I said it's uh it's pretty cool. I'm surprised Patty didn't jump out of his seat when you said West Durham. Um, what's the <laughs> Ironheads legends like? What, what's that organization like? I love it. I mean, I was, I think the first year West Durham started was my first year of Peanut. So it was kind of like 95 age group was kind of the inaugural team right from Peanut straight through Midget. Um, I played all the way through, still coach with a couple of my buddies from those teams that we played peanut to midget together. We still coach in West Durham together. Um, obviously, Patty does the eye heads. Um, so I think it's it's making strides. I think COVID kind of uh, put a damper on things a little bit, obviously, with that's everything, not just lacrosse and not just specific to West Durham. That's everywhere and everyone. Um, but I'm excited to be back and kind of ho- hoping help grow things a little bit in the Durham area and um, like I said, I, with West Durham, I think every team now has at least one coach who used to play for West Durham growing up in the minor system. That's so awesome. it's pretty cool to see kind of, you know, it, us giving back. But, you know, we want to give back because um, some of my fondest memories of, you know, lacrosse growing up was playing with those guys for, you know, what's that, 10 years together, 11 years together and kind of growing up together and, you know, to still be able to hang out and now coach together. It's uh yeah. It's pretty special, and I think it'll be something down the road that'll be even more special. We can kind of sit back and really take a look at things, but um, yeah. Um, you mentioned, you know, your younger brother leaning on you um, to kind of get acclimated to the NFL. I know Travis Cornwell was putting out like a, a rookie handbook that they would kind of hand up yep. to the young guys when they come in. What's one kind of golden rule that you would want to share with every rookie coming into the league? Whether it's about preparation or little things like double setting your alarm and, and yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I think preparation is the biggest one just in all aspects, just because of like you said, you're working, there's just so many things going on on a, in a weekend. Like it's just 
especially for, you know, we're lucky in Buffalo, obviously, with the travel. We get to drive to most games. I think we have three flights this year, maybe four. Jesus. Um, which is nice, right? So, but yeah. for guys who don't have that luxury, you know, planning, getting to the airport, and then on the way home, you know, after games, obviously, you know, you go out, you have a good time. Usually your flight's pretty early. So, you know, you get back to the hotel, it's after the game, maybe pack your stuff, get it all together in one pile so you can literally get up and just grab it and walk <laughs> out the door half asleep. Um, but even for stuff like practices, right? I mean, my first year, I remember I was doing the hockey and I would go to practice at hockey for three to five on a Wednesday, jump in my car after practice, drive to Nations for video at 6.30 with Hall or Rochester at the time, practice eight to 10, get back to Waterloo about midnight. Jeez. All of that without bringing food with me because I just thought, oh, I'm just going to show up. <laughs> right? Like little things like that where being a little bit more prepared, it's like, okay, maybe I bring a protein shake, like something yeah. to, you know, get me through these eight hours. But uh, I think preparation is the biggest thing. If you're prepared for stuff, you know, usually the rest will just kind of fall into place. Um, so, yeah, like I said, kind of with Dylan, it's been nice for him because, you know, even with things like uh, expenses and mileage and stuff like that, it's just like he doesn't have to worry about it because we're just kind of <laughs> taking care of it for him this year, right? So That's um, awesome. It's just kind of, yeah, the little things, just being prepared and just, I think, leaning on guys in your team too, right? It's uh, all the older guys have been through it, guys have been around the league. Um lean on them ask them questions there's no stupid questions and if it is a stupid question you're gonna get you know hazed a little bit razzed a little bit and then move on so um yeah switching to kind of you know the bandits and obviously just your first two games with the club but in the opener you score 10 goals in in the second game you guys get 11 only one goal difference, but it felt like the offense kind of started to get their swagger back and, and look more like the Buffalo bandits that we've, we've known over the past couple of years. What was the biggest difference in game one to game two? Yeah, I think uh, I, it was definitely noticeable even for us too. And just the vibe after the game in between, like just everything felt better. Um, and I don't know if that's just a combination of, nerves new guys coming in like you said my brother played his first game it was my first game with the team carter mckenzie um who uh, you know leclerc gets traded from calgary that week jumps like jumps in without a practice so i think there was just a lot of things in that sense but again there's no excuses at the end of the day we got to go out and produce but i think it's just kind of that extra bye week and then a chance to kind of um put things together a little bit, get familiar with each other. I think it was nice to see in a live game, kind of how guys react, getting used to different guys' tendencies. Um, and I think for me, you know, not being here last year, but um, I think I just felt a little sense of kind of that um, still not upset, but just kind of uh, something in the air from last year, losing to Colorado in the finals. Right. I think there was a little bit of that, um, whether it be pressure um, or what have you. Um, but I think, you know, hopefully that's kind of, we got that out of the way. It's better. You got to go through adversity at some point. Why not in game one? And, uh, you know, hopefully we just kind of move on from here. So it's obviously a massive game against Halifax this weekend, you know, two Eastern teams that people have tabbed to be there at the end when all said and done for the Eastern conference, what matchup problems defensively uh, outside of, you know, a Graham Hossack, uh, do they pose for you guys? Yeah, I think they're just very well-rounded. They've been together for years now. Um, you know, I think going back to Rochester, you still got Jake Withers, Magnin, 
uh, Hossick, Colton Armstrong, um, probably forgetting a couple other guys. You got Warren Hill, you know, I think they've been together for a few years. They, they understand each other's tendencies. So their system is down pat. Even just watching video, you can kind of, you know, there's not a lot of holes. And if you look at the first two games too, they kind of showed that with their performances, both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to they're a great team. We're a great team. And it's just going to be come down to hard work and just whoever who wants it more. Um, at the end of the day, I think we're going to give up goals. They're going to give up goals. Um, we're going to make mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. And it's just about, you know, who scores that extra goal at the end of the game. Is there anything better than scoring a goal in Banditland? I wouldn't know yet, but um, <laughs> no, it, True. it's uh, My bad. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, I mean, just what's being, it going to be like scoring your first yeah, goal in Banditland? I will. Well, you've, you've scored a goal in Banditland, but just not for the as a visitor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. I think it's very uh, even just being there for uh, you know our first goal, even though I didn't score it. Even just being there on the bench on the home side of it, yeah, just gives you a different like when you're on the visiting side going to that rink. It's just like oh no, especially when they score early. It's like oh here we go, we're in for a long night. Um. So that was cool. I mean, I got my first fight, which that was, I think, <laughs> pretty cool too. That was a pretty, I've never heard a rink that loud. And then I kind of blacked out right after I heard that. But um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully the first one will be, you know, we got our own goal songs, which is pretty cool. So hopefully uh, we'll see how the fans like that one once I do get the first one. May it, no better weekend than against my former team. So what is the goal song? Rasputin. Ah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how that one goes, but I think I think Bandit Land would get buzz into that one for sure. I think so. so. I was trying to pick something that is a little. I think uh, Cluche has Pepe's, and they go nuts because it's just a sing along and a, you can dance to it. So I, I tried to go for that. So we'll see. But you mentioned Clay. Obviously, he's not going to be in the lineup this weekend. Uh, youngster Thomas Fison from out here on the coast. It, it might be getting into his first lineup. But how does that change your guys? mindset offensively with without Kluge yeah it's a huge loss I mean he's been you know one of the better players on Buffalo for the past three four years since he got there and um he's just gotten better and better kind of every year um so he's gonna be missed but um I think it's just you know it's a chance for another guy to step up I think you know that was you know Colorado's thing last year was next man up and I think that's just the mentality you got to have it's you know it's tough losing a guy like Kluge um but you know Vason's been great in training camp. He's been great uh, in practices, and um, and obviously he's living with Buffalo, so he's getting a feel for those guys and getting to do some extra work with them. And um, you know, if he does get in, I'm excited to see what he can do. And but uh, yeah, I think it's just kind of stick to our systems. You know, other guys have to step up, myself included, on that left side with Kluch going down. And um, but we just got to you know stick to the game plan that worked against Toronto, and I think we'll be good. Beauty, my man. Appreciate you. Uh, yeah. Say hi to the family. I will. Um, be safe. Safe travels to Buffalo this weekend. Yep. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully we hear some rah, rah, rah. And, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll get it going and uh, the band will get rolling again. Appreciate your time, B-Rob. Uh, best of luck. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. What a great chat uh, with B-Rob. And I love talking with guys who have had to do the the hockey lacrosse thing and just how their their mentality is a little more prepared because they've had to balance both 
and you can hear how, you know, the travel from junior practice to film to NLL practice, like all in one day, like that is not an easy thing to put your body through, but he's become a better player for it. It's, it's nuts. Like this guy just a few years ago was, he was balancing being a student, like literally, like he was at Wilford Laurier, like a, a university student playing university hockey, practicing with the Rochester or Halifax Thunderbirds, whatever team he was with at the time, um, balancing all those three, still having to work out like, and you, you heard it. He said like, it, it really allowed him to know how important preparation is because if you didn't prepare in one of those aspects, something was falling off. And, and I think, again, he talked about it. I think at some point, like he is a special breed. I think there's only a few people that are able to balance all that, but he said something really important. I think it it, it is so, so important for younger athletes is to don't, pigeonhole yourself into a sport too early play as many sports as you can because you're going to get to an age where yeah you're going to have to decide unless you're a guy like brandon robinson or or mitch jones who are who are able to balance all all these things um but it also he said it like at the end of the season you know when hockey's done you're excited to play lacrosse yeah you have that fire to get back out on the floor of the field um and vice versa when lacrosse is done you're excited to pick back up your skates and get out there on the ice because too many times we see burnout from one yeah. specific sport and when you're a kid you shouldn't be burnt out like that that's where you should be thriving and loving the game wanting to be with your buddies wanting to play um and I just see far, far too many times just kids are 12 months of the year playing hockey. And mm-hmm. it's it's unfortunate to see because then by the time it really does become a job, like when you're playing junior, how are you going to have that passion to keep going? Yeah. So unless you're Brandon Robinson and a special <laughs> breed, by all yeah. means, like do yeah. it as long as you can because when you get older, you're going to eventually have to pick. So Yeah, um, absolutely. Last game of the weekend is a very intriguing Western clash. Two and one Panther City against the one and one rush on New Year's Eve in Toontown. Uh, it's probably going to be cold, but it's probably going to be electric inside Sastel. Uh, this, like I said, this is an interesting matchup. Mm-hmm. Panther City gets two wins against Vegas. Uh, they lose, get brought back down to earth by Colorado. The rush almost could have been two and zero with if it wasn't for that collapse. But maybe the biggest concern is the health status of Kyle Rubish and Ryan Dose. If those guys aren't healthy, this is a tough stretch for Saskatchewan. Yeah, I mean, we saw it. You and I talked about it. Everyone was was saying, like, what an unbelievable comeback for, for the Seals. Like, what a run they went on. And by all means, yes, that is absolutely true. But I don't think there was enough chatter about the night and day difference between that rush team in the first half or even the first three quarters of that game mm-hmm. with Rubish and with Dilks in the lineup and then taking them out. And of course, yeah, you're down two physical bodies. So it, it is magnified, but I just don't see this defense thriving. Like what we saw in game one. And even in those first three quarters without those two guys, like those are two cornerstone pieces on this team. They're, they're both probably future hall of famers, they are guys that completely change the dynamic of this defense. And I think if we see the resurgence of the rush, 
at least one of those guys are going to have to be there long term. They cannot afford to lose both of them for a long period of time. It just it cannot happen. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on their offense if if that's going to be the case because they know that they're going to have to start putting in goals. And that offense can do that. And I think their offense is revamped with Marty Dinsdale back in there and some and the way that Marshall Palace has started the year. Um, but on the other side of the ball, Panther City is a team that, you know, they're starting to play some exciting lacrosse. They're starting to win games. Obviously, they need fans to start showing up down there in Fort Worth. But that's a whole other story. Uh, this is a team that's starting to turn some heads, and this is a big test for them. It's a huge test. And I think <laughs> I think I said on Coast to Coast, uh, I said the last time we saw these two teams. It wasn't the last time. It was the second last time. So on March 5th, these two teams played. It was a 17-16 <laughs> overtime win for Panther City. Saskatchewan got the better of them in the first matchup, uh, a 16-7 uh, win for Sask. And then in the final game of the regular season, Panther City uh, lost 13-9. But needless to say, I think this is going to be an exciting game. I think both these teams can kind of go either way. Like they, I think they have the skill set to be in a run-and-gun game. But as we saw Panther City over the first two games, their defense is, is, is vastly improved. Like mm-hmm. they can lock it down. They can really, really dial in things. But are they going to be able to do it against a top offense like Saskatchewan? I'm throwing out that game against Colorado because of, of it being a back-to-back, having to yeah. come from Vegas. Just a really, really tough situation for them. Um, I'm interested to see, though, is this defense as improved as it looked in their first two games, or were they just going up against a Vegas team still trying to find their footing? So that game goes Saturday, New Year's Eve. Was that 8 p.m. local time there in Saskatchewan? 4.30 Friday, 7.30 Friday, 7.30 Eastern, that is. Uh, Halifax, Buffalo, and then TSN Game of the Week, Calgary, San Diego, 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. local, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Small schedule, still exciting games. And now we're putting it all in your hands to help us find a parlay winner. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. (laughs) Hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, Patty, box bets time. And quick touch on last week's NFL parlay. We were two for three. The Lions money line cost us. Um, but it was fun following that parlay over the weekend. But now we get back to the real thing. And like we said last week, not little twist here for the parlay. Uh, each week, we're going to give you some options for what the parlay should be. And you, the listener and the fan, get to decide. And sure as shit, wouldn't you believe it, Patty? We put out four great options, and we almost had a three-way tie. <laughs> I know. So like... the four options were Bandits, Seals, Rush, all to win. Second option was Halifax, Calgary, Panther City, all to win. Option three, Halifax, Calgary, Panther City, all plus one and a half. Or all three games to total over 69 and a half goals. Halifax, Calgary, and Panthers City all plus one and a half. 
tied all game 69 and a half for the over at 27.6%. So what's the tiebreaker? So the tiebreaker, I was like, do we flip a coin? Do I, you know, get my dog, put two treats out and, and <laughs> whatever. He, like. So I went through all these different tiebreakers. I said, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's make the odds maker tell us what would be the higher, the juicier odds for the ah, people good. to make more money. So Love it. gave the two situations and it's Halifax, Calgary and Panther city all to cover the spread. We're going to be able to get that exclusively at Coolbet for plus five fifty. Love that. So we don't need Calgary. Exactly. We don't need Calgary, Halifax, Panther City, the underdogs. We don't need them to win. Yeah. As long as they just cover the spread, cover that one and a half, we're great. And the best part about this too, Teddy, is we're now cheering for close games. That's all we want close lacrosse games and i'll be honest i think we're gonna get it like we talked about it already halifax and buffalo two teams that certainly believe that they should be battling for an eastern conference championship or possibly even an nll title calgary's 2-0 san diego's 2-0 and then we talked about panther city really playing with a chip on their shoulder looking to take that next step and with a Saskatchewan team looking to get back on track. So I would be shocked if one of these games were a blowout. I really, really would. I think we're going to see three super, super close games. And how do our loyal listeners partake in this fun? Well, you can just head over to coolbet.ca to coolbet.com. You're going to hit that exclusive tab to click that. You'll see. Our very own little section, the off the crossbar parlay. You're going to click show odds and boom, right there. Halifax, Panther City, all plus one and a half. You get that at plus 550. All right. So that's box bets. And before we get out of here, uh, it is the last show of 2022. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, having all of our guests on and bringing you all the lacrosse news over the last 12 months. What has been your story of the year in the world of lacrosse, Pat? Ooh, that is a fantastic question because I don't know if it's just because we were treated to such a great year because it was kind of the first full season or full, first full calendar year where we kind of had things back to normal we had Mm -hmm. an nll season with fans back in the building we actually had junior and senior lacrosse seasons where they were able to play a full season we had you know minto cups back we had man cups back but for for me i really really do think that the biggest story for me was just the the it's going to kind of sound cheesy, but just the the foray into mainstream, the yeah. the TSN deal, like and not even just because that was, you know, at, at the start of last year, but like seeing ESPN and TSN, seeing the numbers like Vegas having one hundred and two thousand viewers on yeah. ESPN, seeing the numbers that we saw from TSN, seeing the, you know, these the. the um, 
you know, PLL on TSN, seeing it on ESPN, like lacrosse now is at the forefront and we're seeing it on networks uh, across, not just North America, but across the world. And, and we're really starting to make some momentum. So I think 2023 is another big year to make more strides and build off what 2022 was. What's, what's the biggest story for you? Um, I've got, I've got my top five. Um, Like this. The commissioner saga in the NLL is number five. Um, Losing Nick, promoting Jessica, losing Jessica, and now hiring Brett. I thought that was just a whirlwind of emotion for everybody in the NLL world. And I think we were able to land on a very strong course. Uh, Number four is exactly what you said, the ESPN, ESPN and TSN deals for both NLL and PLL. More lacrosse on TV on both sides of the border is huge for the growth of our sport. Number three, I got the Edmonton Miners and their incredible uh, Minto run. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number two, uh, the Peterborough four-peat at the Man Cup. And then number one, I, I, like, I, I want to say the Colorado run and it's, it's their historicness of not having Lee and not having Eli and all the guys that stepped up. But more importantly, it's Dylan Ward winning both PLL and NLL titles. One of the nicest guys in all of lacrosse and one of the hardest working goaltenders and one of the best goalies in the world finally gets to lift those two trophies that have been sort of eluding him for a while. So that is my number one story. Dylan Ward getting the recognition he deserves as the best in the world. I mean, that's that's really, really hard. Uh, to argue uh, what we saw from him able to take his, his game to the next level. The fact that he was already at the top of his game. Like when you look at his body of work in both the outdoor and the indoor game, it, it's really hard to not argue that he is the best. One of the best players in the game right now in both disciplines. Like he's, it's hard to judge with goalies, but like, He's, he's one of the best in both games and he's won championships in both games in one full calendar year. So, and you said it too, such a great guy, such a good ambassador for the sport. Uh, but while we're on that topic as well, um, Robert Hope, you know, he wins a, a man oh, yeah. cup and an NLL title within double just captain month. lift. Yeah. Double, double captain as well. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. There was really so many great stories in, in 2022. And I do think, we were pretty emotional and, and, and excited and, and maybe our expectations were a little bit lower because we really truly didn't have a, a couple of years where lacrosse was normal again. And I think maybe that played into it, but it just seemed like whether it was summer ball, you know, the NLL or PLL um, there was just an abundance of awesome stories to, to really, you know, as a fan, cheer for and and just kind of soak everything up so i'm excited for another big year for lacrosse in 2023 and you know you got to use it as a launching point there's no taking step backs like we're at the point where each year the game lacrosse has to take step forwards and has to continue to grow so uh, big things in 2023 make sure you hop on the rocket ship movement that is the otcb podcast like comment subscribe share it with your friends uh, we're going to Mars. We're going beyond. And we're happy to have you alongside with us. Thanks to Eli Salama and thanks to Brandon Robinson for joining us this week. You can find Pat on Twitter at P I'm at Tanner. 
The show is at OTCB underscore podcast, of course, on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Three games, two Friday, one Saturday on New Year's Eve, and a TSN dandy with the return of Superman to Calgary. Enjoy the games. Take a friend to a game, and if you take a friend, take two, and buy him a beer, because lacrosse is better with beers and friends. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.